Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Eroding beaches on Chicago's lakefront, warmer winters in the upper Midwest, microplastics in our water. What can any one person do? Our best hope for saving the planet and ourselves is through the power of we. Get to the ninth annual One Earth Film Festival, the Midwest's premier environmental film festival, March 6th through the 15th. 26 films, 48 events, four counties. Engage with filmmakers and experts. Venues include Tesla Gold Coast, Loyola University, Plant Chicago, Old St. Patrick's Church, Chicago Cultural Center, Lake Theater in Oak Park, and more. Go to oneearthfilmfest.org. That's oneearthfilmfest.org. Wait, what is it again? One. <laughs> uh, one more time. <laughs> it's oneearthfilmfest.org. Hey, everybody, how's it going? <laughs> Happy Friday. Oh, man. Your Venturovsky show for Friday, February 21st, is moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you, unions. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hit them with it, Ben. You know, I, I don't know why I was thinking of this song. Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Yeah, that's enough. Yes, it is. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky show starts now. <laughs> Friday, February 21st, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. We welcome back political strategist Candace Castillo, and the Heartland Mamas are back. I repeat, the Heartland Mamas are back. Heidi Henry and Murray Breel. And now your host, not a Heartland Mama. <laughs> Chicago Reader uh, columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Open Mic Friday. And here's why. So, believe it or not, folks, I watched a Trump rally yesterday. Yes, indeed. I got home from uh, doing the show, flopped down on my uh, bed, exhausted. Man, I'll tell you what, the Dr. D's got me running from pillar to post. I'm exhausted after doing these shows. He's hard on a guy. And I watched <laughs> Trump rally, D. And you know what, uh, Dennis, you've told me about him. You've watched him for, a, you've watched him many, many more than I have. You're kind of like a connoisseur of them. Uh, All right, let's uh, not go <laughs> painting a picture here. Well, no, I mean, you know, he, hey, it's, it's politics in America in the 21st century. You have to watch him. 
I haven't watched one in a while, and so uh, I got a couple thoughts about having watched. I think this is in Colorado is where he was. Uh, and the first thing is, uh, you know, I have to tell you, in his own way, he's kind of entertaining. It'll, you know, if, uh, uh, for those on the download, no, Ben is not wearing his Bulls slash MAGA hat right now. No, I'm wearing my other Bulls hat. Uh, and uh, But, you know, I mean, I'm just like trying to be as, quote unquote, objective as I possibly can. Uh, he has a style that's it's actually kind of entertaining in its own way. The problem is his material. He doesn't have a lot of great material. He's got a pretty good style. So yesterday's theme when I was watching, I got I didn't watch the entire Trump rally. I'm just going to put that out there. I watched a good chunk of it, though, was he was making fun of Michael Bloomberg. And let's face it, it's an e easy target. Bloomberg was absolutely terrible in Tuesday's debate. I think we can all agree. Everybody, Democrats, Republicans. Bernie uh, Democrats, uh, Klobuchar Democrats, people who love Mayor Pete, people who don't love Mayor Pete. I think we can all agree if we're just being objective. Still looking for those people who really love Mayor Pete, by the way. I know there are a lot of baby boomers. He's such a nice young man. He, he held the door open for me. He's such a nice young man. My beloved baby boomers, you have let me so down. Good God. We would love to have any of you <laughs> mysterious people on the program. But baby boomers love Mayor Pete. Oh, he's so, I just, isn't he so nice? He helped me with my groceries. Anyway, sorry, I went on a baby boomer for Mayor Pete. That's the only people who like him. Confused baby boomers. Oh, God, the baby boomer generation. Don't get me started. Anyway, back to uh, Donald Trump. Speaking of baby boomers, I think technically Donald Trump is a baby boomer, D. Uh, but I don't think he likes Mayor Pete. Anyway, uh, Donald Trump uh, was going on a riff about uh, Mayor Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg's lack <laughs> horrific performance on Tuesday's show and uh, Tuesday's debate. And you know what? I think Trump... First of all, let's give this is something that Trump does uh, that no Democratic president has ever done. He's openly commenting uh, on the Democratic process. You know, uh, Barack Obama was above it all. I'm above politics. The Democrats always played this pretense that they were above politics. When, of course, behind the scenes, they were up to their waist in the muck and the mire, but they pretended they were above it. Trump just throws that out the window. He's openly commenting, riffing, joking, mocking, taunting, and he's having great fun at the expense of Bloomberg because Bloomberg has, you know, as everybody knows, financed this multi-million dollar campaign against Trump. His big moment on the stage on Tuesday, he totally bombed. He's like a deer in the headlights. He didn't know how to answer questions on his feet. He didn't know how to respond. You figured he would have prepped. He had months and months to prep for his first debate. He didn't know how to answer the the, the counterpunch uh, that Elizabeth Warren threw him right from the get-go. We got that. Let's let's listen to it. You got that, D? Uh, Bloomberg, the, the counterpunch that Elizabeth Warren threw. Can we play that? I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. <laughs> Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, 
women and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is, but understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. This country has worked for the rich for a long time and left everyone else in the dirt. It is time to have a president who will be on the side of working families and be willing to get out there and fight for them. That is why I am in this race, and that is how I will beat Donald Trump. All right. Very powerful opening for Elizabeth Warren. And uh, went hard at Michael Bloomberg, who is uh, soared to the top of the polls or near the top of the polls, I should say. He's not at the top. Top three. I just saw a Sun-Times story today that he's actually second in Illinois. <laughs> My fellow Illinois Democrats. Uh, he's got a billion bucks, man. He's got 60 billion. Let's vote for him. Who cares what he stands for or what he said or what he's done? We're a cynical lot. Anyway, uh, so going back to the debate. So he was hit. Uh, hard, and he never recovered. He didn't know how to recover. It was as though he wasn't prepared, Bloomberg, uh, that for the uh, the obvious uh, criticism that someone was going to char- put at him. Let's contrast that with Donald John Trump. Can you do the, uh, the Rosie O'Donnell a bit, D? You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie several- O'Donnell. All right, that's Megyn Kelly uh, questioning Donald Trump at a debate in 2016. Uh, that's how Donald Trump dealt with the, his past, the remarks he's made, misogynist remarks he's made in the past. Uh, he made a joke at Rosie O'Donnell's uh, expense. The crowd loved it. crowd absolutely loved it, and that's it. And Donald Trump was bragging about that at, uh, at his rally yesterday. He was saying, Bloomberg couldn't handle the tough question. I dismiss it with, with the Rosie Donald joke. That's how you do it. And the crowd, once again, is cheering. And then they start breaking in the locker-up chants. Like, I guess they were saying lock-up Rosie O'Donnell. That's how Donald Trump uh, dealt with the, uh, the question about his misogynistic past. I just have to say, in defense of Michael Bloomberg, it's not really a defense of Michael Bloomberg. I'm just pointing out something that's for real. That's an unacceptable response in a Democratic primary. To make a joke out of it all, to trivialize it, and just to and, and to do it at the expense of Rosie O'Donnell, is not an acceptable response in a Democratic primary. But it does indicate how low the standards are. There are no standards in the Republican primary. That's an acceptable response in a Republican primary. Therefore, the Republicans are saying we don't care if our nominee is a misogynist, if our nominee has made degrading comments about women, we don't care. We'll elect him anyway. We'll cheer him on when he continues to make these uh, misogynistic, nasty comments. We have no standards. It's the same thing when it comes to law and order. They have no standards anymore. Donald Trump is freely allowed to intimidate witnesses, to intimidate judges, to mock prosecutors. Uh, He just released a commuted Blago sentence. We all know it's a prelude to uh, releasing, to commuting or pardoning Roger Stone. Just, you, we all know it's going to be a transition. It's just setting it up for that. I haven't heard any complaints from Republicans uh, in the state of Illinois. You know, they, they, uh, they're mad at Blagojevich, but they, won't, they don't dare criticize Donald Trump. So he's, he's free. There's no standards. 
Anything, any kind of rules that the Democrats have to abide by are out the window when it comes to Republicans. And that has to also deals with debate tactics. So go, anyway, going back to the rally, here's Donald Trump. He made fun of Bloomberg's response. And then he was bragging about how he got, not only got away with it, but that the public accepted it. And so as part of his shtick, what he did, he, he, he had someone in his press office uh, print up copies of polls that were taken after the debates and which showed that he was considered the winner of the debate. So he would just have a piece of paper. I got to give him credit. It was actually kind of a good bit. I mean, kind of overdid it. But so you have the piece of paper. And you go, well, I don't have a Trump invitation. D, that should be doing this bit. He would go, well, this poll, Time Magazine, I can't stand Time Magazine. The crowd cheers. He's just waving the piece of paper in the air. And he goes, Trump, 70%. Meaning he won the debate. Uh, Jeb Bush, 5%. See? And then he throws throws the paper away. He just like throws it like that. Here we go. That's how he did it. And then he would do that like. Very like Dave Letterman. Dave Dave Letterman. Letterman. He took it straight out of Letterman. This is the thing. Trump has been watching comics. You're right. He watched Letterman in the old days. David Letterman would take the cue card and throw it through the window. And then make the sound. Only thing Trump didn't have was the sound. (laughs) Here's another poll. Trump, winner, 50%. I'm not going to name. And then he goes, I'm not going to name the other people because they were my friend. They're my friends now, meaning, you know, they totally suck up to him like Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz. But back then they didn't like me. And then he throws the paper away. He did that like 10 <laughs> times. The crowd's going nuts. It's, it's unbelievably staged. It just I remember this from the last time I watched a Trump rally. They always make sure there's a black guy positioned somewhere behind him in the camera. And then, OK, he, it's a black man. So, you know, he's black. He's got just, but just to make sure you know he is a Trump supporter, they make sure he's wearing a MAGA hat. But even then, just to double down, he's got a sign up that says like black man for Trump. Okay, <laughs> taking nothing for granted, all right? Anyway, make sure that guy's there. He's just putting the sign up there. Trump's throwing the paper around. I'm thinking, almost feel sorry for Michael Bloomberg because no Democrat, no Democrat could get away with that. No Democrat in a million years could have a rally where he just takes pieces of paper, throws them in the air. The crowd is howling, bursting into chants of lock them up. And uh, that's acceptable behavior. So, uh, you know, I got to say it is a it's difficult for Democrats to run when there are no standards on the other side and where the electoral college map. And that's the thing that decides the election. Uh, seems to be tilted in favor of a guy who is free to do whatever he wants, uh, both in terms of what he says and how he behaves uh, and how he bends and breaks all the rules. It's very difficult these days for a Democrat. It was almost, I said almost, enough to make me feel sorry for Michael Bloomberg. We got a great show today, everybody. (laughs) You're right. No collusion. Let him go. Ramana Hussein will be here. We got Ramana's got a lot of things to say about the Bogoyevich situation. We talk about Rob Bogoyevich with Ramana Hussein and also Casey Erlacher, Brian Erlacher's brother. We're talking all about that. Uh, Candace Castillo, ace political strategist. 
think she's for Elizabeth Warren. Am I correct about that, D? I, I believe so. Yeah, she'll be here in the studio. I know she's flying high. They're feeling really good about Elizabeth Warren these days. Get a little Elizabeth Warren uh, point of view in the studio. Uh, and the Heartland Mamas will be here. Heidi Henry and Murray Briel probably on their way right now. <laughs> Driving in from the boonies. They always get mad at me when I call it the boonies. And me too. Oh, not the boonies. They're driving in from the heartland. There you go. In that cool little Corvette Stingray they got going. Murray Briel behind the wheel. Driving all night. My hands wet on the wheel. Anyway. He's in rare form today, guys. <laughs> They'll be here really soon. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie, with the news. <laughs> Happy Friday, guys. All right, before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois for the fourth and final time this week, Ben Jarofsky, I need you to respond to a listener comment. Mm. This comment comes from our good friend and Ben Jarofsky show devotee, Alan. Mm -hmm. Alan, well, he has a minor beef with you, Ben. Mm. We actually uh, read a debate comment from Alan on Thursday, and Ben, he's been a listener since the radio days, and we'd like to keep him downloading, so please, when responding to Alan, be nice. <laughs> be nice, Okay. <laughs> I'm always nice. All right, on to Alan's comment. Mm -hmm. Alan writes, or types, or posts, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Second day in a row, you call Blagojevich a con artist. Mm -hmm. By the way, for those who haven't been following the news at all this week, President Donald Trump commuted the 14-year sentence of former Illinois Governor Rob Blagojevich. Mm -hmm. uh, second day in a row, you call Blagojevich a con artist. Second day in a row, I disagree with that. I think you're wrong that Trump is going to have Blagojevich stump for him this election cycle, something that we've been saying uh, quite a few times here on the program this week. Uh, Alan says, I think they both serve their own needs. And I really think you're wrong that somehow Trump is going to use Blagojevich for gaining African-American votes. The real crime that Blagojevich committed was being an adversary of Mike and Lisa Madigan. As much as I love Blagojevich, I'm still with Bernie, Alan says, even though the Democrats are actively trying to screw him over again. Wow, lots to unpack there in that letter. First of all, D, uh, I just gonna say I'm I'm capable of having a civil disagreement with somebody. I'll we'll prove it. Just Wednesday, Monroe and I had a very civil disagreement over uh, Chris Matthews. Monroe loves him. Has a, a I love Chris Matthews tattoo, and uh, you know I think Chris Matthews is a joke, but you know, but. Monroe's still my friend. He's coming back on Wednesday, you know. So. That tattoo, he had a heart and everything. <laughs> I heart, CM. He loves Chris Matthews, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so I'm perfectly capable of having some. I, Maya and I disagree on stuff all the time, man. Uh, so, you know, she comes on the show every Tuesday. Uh, so anyway, I'm perfectly capable of uh, disagreeing with people. So in terms of what Alan has to say, I'm I just going to have to say as uh, politely as I can, I completely and totally disagree with you on this particular point. Uh, I do believe that Rob Bukoyevich is a con man, uh, that uh, I do believe that uh, Rob Bukoyevich has essentially as a governor masqueraded as a progressive every now and then he did something remotely progressive like um when he made uh, tra uh train rides free for senior citizens i actually applauded him for that uh, but by and large he was indifferent to the duties and responsibilities of being govern governor and paid no attention to him and uh didn't deal with any of the issues we faced didn't take any serious attempt first of all to like pass a progressive income tax would have been the number one thing that a progressive governor could do 
uh, in the state of Illinois. We're finally getting around to that. He never made a move, like, for instance, on legalizing reefer. He talks now about criminal justice reform, but at the time, the thousands and thousands of people were being locked up unfairly uh, for possessing marijuana. Never once heard Rob Blagojevich speak out on that, ever. Never took the initiative on it. Uh, it was at the time Democrats were afraid to even raise the issue. So I got to say, I do not believe uh, he was a legitimate progressive, but he was a great talker. Uh, he's a very smooth talker and um, he's got a great memory. His ability to recite poetry is astounding. I have to give him credit for that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I do believe there's a political deal between Trump and Blagojevich, an, uh, an acknowledgement that Blagojevich would become a mouthpiece for Trump. We've seen it on display already at his opening press conference. He was extolling the virtues of Donald Trump from the moment he got out of prison uh, at the airport in Denver. And then later yesterday, uh, as I said, and was it yesterday? I'm losing track of time, D. Was it yesterday or Wednesday? I can't remember. Uh, in front of the media and friends of his and neighbors and passerby at his home on the near, on the north side of Chicago. He was thanking Donald Trump. He was bashing the Democrats for the incarceration bill, the Clinton incarceration bill of the 1990s. I got to say, that was supported by Republicans. And I also have to say, yes, he's absolutely correct. My beloved Democratic Party uh, always moves to the right out of fear of being called weak on law and order. And part of the impetus of Bill Clinton going to the right um, and uh, with those unfair uh, incarceration policies of the 1990s was because he wanted to prove to the Republicans that they could not outlaw and order him. So both parties are at, uh, at fault in this. The Republicans for their, it goes back to the days of Nixon for their whole strategy uh, to manipulate fears that people have, particularly white people have about black people and the Democrats and their cowardice and, and afraid to stand up to the Republicans. So I believe uh, that I didn't, I don't recall Rob Blagojevich at any point in his career uh, standing up to the Clinton faction of the Democratic Party on these issues, running as a person who is against um, th these harsh drug laws, the war on drugs. I don't remember him doing any of that. He's doing it now, and he's doing it now to like to say, oh, Donald Trump is a great hero. So he's, yes, he's working as an agent for Donald Trump. Well, what do you say about his comment here? Uh, the real crime Blagojevich committed was being an adversary of Mike and Lisa Madigan. I <laughs> I, I would say this, and I'm saying this as politely as I can, uh, in all due respect to a, a, a listener. I love you dearly for listening, but I completely and utterly and totally disagree with you. I mean, the demonization of Michael Madigan has gone is so deep. You talk about a conspiracy theory. Bruce Rauner spent millions and millions of dollars demonizing Michael Joseph Madigan. So just think about this. Michael Madigan right now is under the same scrutiny by the feds by the same basic federal prosecutors who brought Bogoyevich down. Bogoyevich and Madigan are part and parcel of the same Democratic Party, the same machine Democratic Party that I've been fighting for 20, 30 years in this town. Madigan is a southwest side branch. Bogoyevich is a northwest side branch. Bogoyevich owes his entire career to an alderman and a committeeman, a former alderman and committeeman named Richard Mell, who is his father-in-law. Richard Mell was a very powerful Democratic operative on the northwest side of Chicago who was as every much a part of the Democratic machine as Michael Madigan. The feds have been going after powerful Democrats for as long as I can remember, going back to the days of Jim Thompson when he threw Alderman Tom Keene into prison. 
Sometimes they they made it to the doorway of Richard Daly, Richard M. Daly's doorway, and then they backed off. I always wondered about that. Why did they back off on uh, on Daly? But they did. So now they're going after Madigan. They want to throw Madigan into prison. So it's the same people that put Rob Bogoyevich in prison are the ones who are trying to put Michael Madigan in prison. So like to say that Madigan is the reason that Blagojevich was prosecuted is to overlook the fact that the same prosecutors who prosecuted Blagojevich essentially are going after Madigan. So no, I don't, I don't believe. I think that we have a tendency in this state to absolutely blame everything that's wrong with Illinois or Chicago with Michael Madigan. To a large degree, I think that uh, is a result of years and years of brainwashing by the Republican Party Bruce Rauner. So, you know, hey, Rauner, you succeeded in one thing. Democrats hate Michael Madigan. So I respectfully disagree with Alan. I'm, I appreciate the fact that he listens to the show. I hope he continues to listen, even if we disagree. I just want to point out, I don't always agree with all my guests, D. As I point out, did not agree with uh, Monroe last week, when he uh, this Wednesday, when he was extolling the virtues of Chris Matthews. All right. Well, if you're like Alan and you have a beef with Ben Jarofsky, feel free to weigh in. Uh, you have few options at Benny J show B E N N Y the letter J show on Facebook at Benny J show on Twitter. And yes, we have an email address and I check it often. Benny J show B E N N Y the letter J show at gmail.com. I always like reading those comments when someone has a little beef with Ben Jarofsky. Just watch the language. All right. (laughs) We're all friends here, aren't we? Okay. Moving on to a story involving Illinois corruption. In the year 2020, the following comes from the radio station that's way more smarter and professional than this show will ever be. And we'll throw organized and well-rested in there, too. WBEZ Chicago. A clout-heavy southwest suburb has received a subpoena from federal investigators seeking documents about House Speaker and State Democratic Party boss Michael Madigan. That's correct. (laughs) Proving my point. I did not know about this. Go ahead. According to records obtained by WBEZ, the village of Bridgeview, whose mayor, Ben, for 10 trivia points, what's the name of the mayor of Bridgeview? Landek. Oh, my. Stephen Landek. Nice. I didn't think you would know that. What a dork. (laughs) You got to give me credit, man. Those are uh, imaginary uh, (laughs) basketball shots he's making. That I'm draining. Three pointers, okay? Someone's covering me. Bam, in your face. The village of Bridgeview, whose mayor, Steve Landeck, is a Democratic state senator. I can't senator. believe I knew that. Yeah, I'm Same sad. Man. I'm kind of sad. Uh, we all are. <laughs> I knew that. There's listeners going, what am I listening to? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Steve Landeck, a Democratic state senator and longtime Madigan ally, was served with the grand jury subpoena today, Friday, February 21st. The feds are asking for all of Bridgeview's correspondences, including internal emails that involve Madigan and four men who have close ties to the speaker. The feds are also demanding that Bridgeview officials turn over, quote, all records related to Raymond Nice, another veteran campaign worker in Madigan Southwest Side Ward organization. Documents obtained by WBEZ show Bridgeview paid Nice's company $1,000 a month for, quote, business and consulting services. Mm. Nice also had a $1,000 a month deal as a special consultant for another southwest suburb. 
Right, this one sounds really fancy. Marionette Park. <laughs> They're going after the Southwest. Uh, it sounds like a place that old uh, producer Dennis cannot afford to live in. D- did young Daniel Miolopoulos write this story? Uh, I'll check and look yeah. here. Uh, I know I got it from Capital Facts. I'll uh, check that before we roll on here. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nice also had a $1,000 a month deal as a special consultant for another Southwest suburb, Marionette Park, which received a virtually identical federal subpoena to the one Bridgeview got on the same day Bridgeview officials were served. The Chicago Sun-Times first reported the subpoena of Marionette Park on Wednesday. Ben Drowski, your thoughts? Well, first of all, uh, I do not know who the mayor of Marionette Park is. I have to I have to make that confession. Uh, my well, second shout out to Kyle. He asks you. What high school did the mayor of Bridgeview <laughs> go to? Uh, Landak, I'm just making something up. He went to Morton East. Everybody knows that. I just made that up. Uh, what if I'm correct? Uh, I'm wow. quitting. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I've spent many years chronicling the, the misdeeds of Chicago Democrats. But my official position now in the age of Trump, until the Tribune uh, starts chronicling the misdeeds of one Donald John Trump, I'm laying off Democrats. Yes, indeed, folks. I'm putting it out there. Uh, they're going, Ben, come on. You got to play the game right. You got to be straight. It, there's only one set of standards. If somebody, somebody does something wrong, you got to condemn it. I go, You're absolutely correct. It should be that way. But then I look at Donald John Trump and what? He tells his aides, don't abide by uh Congressional subpoenas don't turn over documents when uh, the congressman ask for it. Don't show up to testify. He tweets out intimidating comments about judges. So we're supposed to overlook that and be outraged. I tell you, outraged because of some politician at some small suburb outside of Chicago may or may not have been taking bribes. I, I'm like, it's a bizarre thing. We're going to be talking about uh, this rem- with Romano and, you know, like the double standards that exist in politi- politics today. Like Donald Trump is allowed to say every misogynist thing that pops to his mind and people think, think it's funny, but Democrats have to abide by certain civilities. So it's okay for lawlessness on the part of Republicans, but Democrats are supposed to be outraged and shocked. The Democratic Party as a whole voted to oust uh Rob Bogoyevich to impeach him. I believe I, I, on second thought, there may have been one vote uh, uh, against impeachment. I, I think there may have been one vote, but it was overwhelming. Democrats outraged, shocked by Bogoyevich. And then it's a Republican who lets him out of jail because it serves his larger purposes because he's about to do the same for Roger Stone. So it's hard for me to jump on, the, oh my God, this is an outrage. I want, I'm going to crusade. Let's throw all these Democrats in jail when there's lawlessness on the part of the Republican Party. That's all I got to say about it. I know Romana may have a different opinion, but like we pointed out to Alan, we're allowed to disagree and have civil conversations. All right. And uh, you were right. It is Dan Mialopoulos. That, uh, Danny, right. Come on. That's a Danny story written all over it. <laughs> all right. And uh, before we roll out of here, let's go over the uh, public events listed for the governor and the mayor. Uh, looks like we got Lori Lightfoot. She today is at Wendell Phillips Academy High School to announce a citywide call to action to end youth involvement in gun violence. Excellent. And no public events listed for J.B. Pritzker. 
He's had a busy week, though. You know, he gave his budget address on Wednesday. Uh, and actually, yesterday, he stopped gave, by the bright one. Oh, he stopped by the bright one. Yeah. Yes, he did. He stopped by the bright one. And he, uh, oh, ben, uh, he said, uh, he said nothing to you. <laughs> He's not hi, not tell him I said hello. <laughs> he didn't make it. Nothing. I walked by him. He, he, he didn't make it down to the washroom. Didn't make it down to the washroom. JB, next time you're at the Sun Times, stop on by. And even if you don't make it to our, our beloved little room in the back out by the washroom, why don't you stop by the water cooler and enjoy some of that delicious Sun Times water? <laughs> so no public, but he did give a Q&A yesterday. Uh, I have a bit of the audio here. Let's go ahead and hear what that is. We all know what it looks like when we work together. Oh, no. The feeling of making... It's another Bloomberg ad. How did this get in? This guy, these ads come out of nowhere. To contribute. To help. To provide. Okay, well, I guess we're not going to hear that. Yeah, okay, we'll not hear that. It's another Bloomberg ad. All right, everybody, don't go anywhere. The Ben Jarofsky Show will be right back. We are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago LandCremationOptions.com. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Downloaders, we live stream this program Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. And if you join that Sun-Times YouTube channel, you can join the live stream chat. Oh, it's a crazy time. Go join it. Hang with Brianna. Hang with Stephen, Jay Marie, and the rest. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ramana Hussein in the studio. Ramana Hussein in the studio every Friday, Ramana Rundown. Uh, and I know it's a really busy time at the Sun-Times. Ramana, thanks for stopping in. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, and she's fighting, she's been fighting a flu. What a well, valiant effort. <laughs> the, the aftermath of a flu. I'm coughing. Yeah. I always cough right in the night before I go to bed. Yeah. A warrior, uh, Ramana Hussein, hard worker. All right. Uh, Got so much to talk about. I was riffing at the start of the show how the, I watched the Trump rally yesterday. And the rally I watched was the one where, on top of everything else, he suddenly became a film critic uh, <laughs> and, and felt compelled to launch into uh, you know his opinion on Parasite winning uh, the Best Picture Award. D, you got that clip? Can we play that one? Uh, we have that one? Absolutely, I do here. I got two here. So here's the first one. Oh, my. We got to wait for that. 
Boy, I'm struggling on the audio today, gang. All right, we'll be editing that out on the download. Oh, By yeah. the way, how bad were the Academy Awards this year? Did you see it? And the winner is a movie from South Korea. What the hell was that all about? We got enough problems with South Korea with trade. On top of it, they give them the best movie of the year. Was it good? I don't know. The winner is from South Korea. I thought it was best foreign film, right? Best foreign movie. No, it was the button. Did this ever happen before? <laughs> Donald Trump. We laughed, but uh, obviously, uh, I just, you know, it's bizarre. Um, and then he started going off on Brad Pitt, too. I don't know if you heard. So he started going off on Brad Pitt. because Oh, we got that. And then you have Brad Pitt. I was never a big fan of his. He got up and said, little wise guy. <laughs> little wise guy. Uh, <laughs> um, you know why he said that? Yeah. Right? Because, tell people. Yeah. yeah. But basically, because Brad Pitt, when he won his um, Oscar for uh, Best Actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he said that he's gotten more time to speak than former national security advisor john bolton did so um that was pretty interesting anyway uh donald trump started bringing up he's like why don't why don't we have gone with the wind anymore like he wants to make america great again i guess by well, hearkening you know by pointing out to old movies that you know was a precept i never saw gone with the wind which everybody gets mad to me. Uh, no, you, you should not apologize for all. Uh, Gone with the Wind is a movie that um, sort of champions the South, South with slavery. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're supposed to overlook the slavery part of slavery South. Uh, and uh, It's about a socialite, right? And well, yeah, uh, it chronicles uh, this family that's uh, destroyed by the Civil War and uh, a Southern family uh, and... Uh, not a great movie, in my humble opinion. And I'm just my, speaking. My, Mick, my husband, is telling me that I should watch it. He said that it's an interesting slice of that history. That's what he said. Well, he I mean, you, saying that you should good. probably, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, Birth of a Nation from I'm that just, perspective. I did, I did, I did, see, I did see Birth of a Nation in film class, or at least parts of it. Um, but, you know, it was a historical movie because the way they used editing but it's a horribly yeah, racist it's, film. It's a horribly racist movie. That, but uh, I, I just find it fascinating that Donald Trump feels like, you know, it's like he's speaking to a certain part of his base that don't want other people speaking foreign language. And, you know, and I don't know if you saw, but in the articles it said that the fil the American film distribu um, distri distributor of the film said, you know, tweeted something that said understandable basically referring to Trump's comments on the, on Parasite and said he can't read. So it was understandable he can't read. So they're referring to the subtitles because mm -hmm. a lot of people who, you know, I don't know. I've always liked foreign films. I can speak another language so I can watch Bollywood movies without subtitles. But I've always been fast. You know, when there's a foreign film that's nominated or I hear about it just by word of mouth or it gets re good reviews, I've always watched them. It's not really work for me to read subtitles. So I just find that fascinating. Well, and I mean, one <laughs> so, step beyond that, as, as I move on in the years, uh, I I pretty much anything I stream, I put the subtitles on because I, sometimes, I don't miss dialogue that way. Sometimes I do that when there's like accents. Like, I'm sure if there's like New York accents, I probably, if they're really strong, I've done that with um, Guy Ritchie movies where they're talking, they're talking really heavy Cockney mm -hmm. accents. And I'm like, what do they just say? So I put subtitles sometimes. 
But Romana, I think what also when I when I heard that bit and I read the article about Donald Trump, I missed that part of the. Um, <laughs> How did you miss rally. that? That was like the part that you'd want to see. I know that's the part that was for me because I love <laughs> movies. Uh, the I part, know that's what I saw. My sister in law sent that to me yesterday. So. I, I watched. I would say twenty minutes. I already riffed on it a little bit, but I watched the part. It's this twenty minute bit where he was ripping Bloomberg, and um, I kind of actually. I, I am almost embarrassed to say this. I, I, there was a like it was entertaining, but then it, it it got old and I stopped watching it. Uh, but I think obviously my, when I heard that, clearly he's just uh, feeding the sense that uh, you know this is like what he's trying to make America great. This is what's great about America that it's American movies and not a foreign movie. A foreign movie Where shouldn't people be are the best talking picture. English. That's yeah. what the whole thing is, right? People talking English. People that don't look, people who don't look like what America should look like. That's like, that's what I'm trying, I'm thinking that's what he's trying to appeal to, which is just, I, you know, you hear the, what he's saying about the film and it just sounds like a movie. So I can see that being entertaining, like you're laughing, but this is real life. You know, I've never heard of a president discussing the Academy Awards before. In well, such, in at such at such lengths, I guess I want to say, and and telling the audience how he was so hated it so much, and you know, and then you know he has to go to go take take aim at Brad Pitt. Yeah, and here's the thing. <laughs> so well, by the way, Brad Pitt uh, had another <laughs> had another uh, great line when he was receiving his award. He was talking about the impeachment. Uh, and he was he said he hoped that Quentin Tarantino makes a movie about the impeachment of Donald Trump and he has an alternative ending. And Tarantino, the last three or four movies, I'm not going to give anything away, uh, takes historical events mm -hmm. and get, puts his own alternative endings on. Including he, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Don't say anything. Uh, don't say anything. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, and uh, Django as well. He, he he doesn't like the way things ended up in reality, so he's going to put his own. But anyway, that was the joke. Uh, but uh, the thing is, I was going to say about Parasite, which is a, just a great flick. If I mean, it's weird. If you could just imagine Parasite, which is, I know this is going to sound bizarre, as a movie in which everybody spoke English, just what happens in Parasite and how it's filmed and how it's staged. It's very creative. I think the people, it would be a huge hit in this country. Yeah. In fact, I think some of some of the Trump supporters that were cheering it on may would like it too. It. Um, yeah, that's the interesting thing about it. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that Trump supporters don't watch it, but I'm just saying that it appeals. I mean, it's about class and, you know, how the rich get away with a lot of things and how like the, you know, the upper class is basically has this upper hand and the poor are just kind of struggling to make ends meet and have to kind of be creative. Yeah. If, if you know, it, it's just interesting. It's fascinating. But you know, like the guys on the copy desk asked me my top 10 movies of the year before the Oscars. And I said, parasite, I don't know if I, I wasn't able to come to the Oscar talk that, you know, you had the Oscar show because yeah, I was sick, show. Yeah, you were but sick. I, I parasite was my favorite film. They, well, they said, Oh, that's your number one film. I'm like, yeah, they go a couple of guys of, on the desk thought the same thing but i was gonna say with the foreign films i know you like dubbing don't you no i can't stand <laughs> i'm just kidding uh yeah she's teasing me uh but by the way a parasite everybody said parasite was the best flick of the year it's a great f movie uh, just before we get into the dubbing uh, but it's it's suspenseful it's funny uh it's like a it, it, it's a caper flick you know it's it's 
It kind of goes off the rails. And then it goes off the rails. Yeah. Great off the rails. I know Mick didn't like going off the rails, but I love how it goes off I, the rails. I, I thought it was great when I saw it. Yeah. And I remember when I went to go see it, I saw it at the theater at Evanston and we went to like a 730 show and it was sold out. So that was like a really good sign to me because, you know, very, very you know, there's very few times where I go to a sold out movie. It's usually a superhero movie I'm being dragged to if it's sold out. <laughs> but um, I just thought I just thought it was very creative. I just think it's like, again, I think it's fascinating that Donald Trump has to bring it up. And we obviously know why he did. Absolutely. Because there's yep. it's foreign, quote unquote, foreign, not American. And it's and it's uh, I bet if it was French, he'd th- think differently. Well, that's, I mean, when you say foreign, I don't know. Remember, it was that backlash against the French. People weren't going to eat their freedom fries. I don't know. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of us people, a lot of us people, a lot of us folks who speak another language, we find it fascinating that a lot of people who get mad at people speaking different languages, they always talk about, you know, they, they don't care if someone's talking French. That doesn't bother them. Because that's like, like, you know, they don't care. They're like, oh, it's a beautiful language. Oh, yeah, I love, you know, but if somebody's talking, say, Urdu or Arabic or Spanish, you know, people are like, go back to your own country. I'm just saying, you know, I'm telling you. confession to make. Confession You like like French? That's mine. No, that's not the confession I want to make. It's even worse than that. I shouldn't even make this confession. But I just, I let a, I'm so bad at other languages. I'm so (laughs) envious of people like you who can speak more than one. I don't, I'm incapable of distinguishing between foreign languages. Oh, and okay. One time, so I couldn't tell you French is prettier sounding than Spanish because I can't really tell the difference. And one time, my good friend El Dragon, he's laughing right now if he's listening. <laughs> um, I, I, my friend El Dragon, uh, Adolfo, I go, oh man, you got to hear this. This is uh this bob dylan song i love dylan in yeah. spanish you gotta hear it and it man. wasn't spanish it was japanese <laughs> oh my god that's pretty interesting <laughs> i would have been able to... hey man i'm not hiding anything if you grow, grew up speaking another language that's totally understandable it's really funny because urdu the language that my parents spoke and i can speak mm-hmm it's supposed to be a very poetic language, but the way my family speaks it, people said I sound, we sound like we're arguing all the time because we talk very loud and we like we talk really fast. So no, that's like me in the Sun Times newsroom. Talking <laughs> <laughs> too loud. Apparently, we don't make it sound poetic, but it's a very poetic language. We yeah. we kind of I guess my family kind of kills it, but no, I I'm really good at foreign languages. Usually, I can tell. Well, I couldn't tell. The funny thing about it, my dear friend, I I know the difference between Japanese and Spanish. It's a really embarrassing moment in my life. But the part that really killed me is my good friend Devin was there. And when Adolfo pointed out that uh, (laughs) I was doing it wrong, he's like, oh, God, Ben. I'm like, oh, like you knew. (laughs) It's like when other people act like, oh, Mr. You know, I speak 20 languages. Anyway, it was a funny scene. I, I wrote about it. I acknowledge about it. Adolfo loves telling that story. It's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I can't say. I, I, it's pretty clear that what he's doing is playing into this notion that once again, uh, there's there's a, a, a faction of America that's trying to drag America down, but he's making America great again. Yeah. And this is all a part of his a pitch and appeal. And he does this uh, while he is just giving two middle fingers high uh, to just the law enforcement community. <laughs> and let's just get to Blago. I'd love to get your thoughts on Blago. Again, I always say this, Romana covered the criminal justice system uh, for many years. And one of the things Blago uh, was talking about when he was released on Wednesday, Wednesday when he had the press conference mm-hmm. was how he was a political prisoner. Yeah. And his case is similar to all the other people, uh, black people who are unfairly- And brown people. And, and, and he said people. that Donald Trump is working- 
to fix the racist yeah. criminal justice system. That was that was quite interesting. I actually saw that whole news conference. I don't know if you did. I uh, I did not see the whole news conference, but I've seen. You know, bits one of my pieces. one of my first assignments when I was at City News Bureau was to cover a news conference with. It was a news conference that uh, Rod Blagojevich, Blagojevich was at. This is that's good that I mispronounce it right now because you're talking about how you didn't. I didn't know how to pronounce his name, so I go to this news conference and I called my editor, who's my friend now. You know, we didn't. You know, I was scared. I was like totally scared. I was like, how do I say this guy's name? And she goes, who was there? I had to call in afterwards, and I was like, Rod blah blah blah. And she goes, you mean Blagojevich? And I'm like. Blaggy, you know, I, I couldn't pronounce it, but it, you know, obviously a few years, flash forward a few years later, I can pronounce it totally well. And I was in India when he got indicted, by the way, I was in my dad's village and me and my sister were sitting in the dark because electricity kind of went out mm-hmm. and we we're just sitting there and we didn't know that we, I think we, I think we knew there were cell phone towers, but I didn't think I got a signal and my cell phone was on. And a friend of ours texted us and said, Rod Blagojevich got indicted. And we're like, so it's funny. My sister was just telling me, she goes, remember we're sitting in the dark in Benoli, which is my dad's village. And I'm like, were we? And then I, I vividly remember us getting the text message and we we're just kind of, we're like, oh, and we came back. But um, the Rod Blagojevich case, I was actually, I have, there was two, there was like, it was, he was tried twice, right? Because one of the first time, mm-hmm. There wasn't a miss. What was the? There was like uh, some sort of legal no, technicality, they, uh, or was I forgot what I it was. I forget what the term is when you couldn't. Uh, they couldn't get the jury to convict. It was a, a holdout. Oh, term. oh, oh, um, I'm God. Why am I forgetting it? I'm forgetting the term. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but anyway, anyway. They so get a jury to Na- Na- Natasha Karaki. Yeah, yeah. Natasha Karaki then was the federal court reporter. So every time she was covering that, I got sent over there to cover like the two other major cases that I. I, I think it was one time it was the John Burge case. I think. Mm -hmm. And the other time it was um, the India terrorism trial, I think. But I remember I got sent over there whenever Bogoyevich was up. But it's a it's a very fascinating case is I'm using the word fascinating a lot. But um, Bogoyevich came out and uh, on Wednesday, I don't know if you saw he cut his chin. shaving. Yes, I saw that. Mm -hmm. My whole thing was why did you just put a Band-Aid on it so you didn't have to keep dabbing it the whole time? (laughs) (laughs) Patty kept telling him, oh, Wiper chin, wiper chin. That was like a, it was a very uh, bizarre news conference. We had, I had it on. So like the newsroom was obviously going like on Tuesday when we hear about this, like I was actually sitting, you know, like minding my own business. And then one of the reporters, Mitch Armantrout comes up to me and he goes, um, ABC News National is saying that Donald Trump is going to commute Rod Pekoyevich to sentence. So I was like, oh. and then I went to talk to my bosses, my the higher ups and the ball just did we yeah, just so kept it's a big rolling. Di- so, you know, we get sending one person to Rod Bogoyevich's house and, you know, there this he got home like a little after midnight mm-hmm. on Tuesday, you know, technically Wednesday. But um, the reporters were telling me that it was just like loud. There was like all the supporters who came out and one guy was like yelling at 3 a.m. Well, 2 a.m. because he told me he got home at 3 a.m. So we had one photographer who wasn't supposed to work that day, but she lives like 10 minutes away from Bogoyevich's house. And she said, you know, and so she had to go out there at midnight. She was, we're talking about it today. So everybody's scrambling. We had two reporters there on Wednesday, you know, there to get color, one person to do the story, you know, and then, you know, of course we have all our political reporters like trying to get like, you know, reaction from Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot spoke to Fran Spielman, our city hall reporter. So yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, Kind of a busy news. Yeah, it was a very cycle. slow news day <laughs> yeah. on and Tuesday. All of a sudden, <laughs> oh, everybody was frantic. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. Well, it, it, you know, it's funny because uh, 
I've covered, I've sat in the press box many years ago at a Cub game. And that's fun. Uh, yeah. But Why were the, you there? Well, it's a different existence of mine. I was actually. Uh, a re- There's a re- opening for a Cubs reporter at the Sun Times. Do by not the way. want it. Can't stand the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, uh, if if given the job, I would not take it. <laughs> I told uh, Mick, I was like, why don't you. Uh, yeah, Mick, I could see Mick. Or Mick it, would, if given the job and taken it, you'd be fired the first day. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, are you kidding me? This is re- Anyway, uh, but I remember the reporters uh, were really irritated. It, the pitcher was having a no-hitter like in the fifth inning, and they were complaining because it was going to be extra work. They were like rooting against the no-hitter, <laughs> and they were so jaded. What a jaded bunch, sports writers. That's a whole other story. They're yeah. like so cynical and jaded. They got like little flasks of liquor, and they don't really, but it's kind of like they do that. But I had a feeling it's sort of like reporters on a, day, on a daily newspaper I have the same matter. Oh, God, no, you got to be kidding, man. I was going to go to a movie tonight. That happens. That happens to everybody, not just sports writer sometimes you're sitting there and you're like please don't you know like if <laughs> if when i was at the criminal courthouse you're like you know it's like 4 45 and they're supposed to come down with some indictment or like you know somebody's supposed to be charged you're like please please don't happen before i have before happen after i leave work you know so sometimes if you have plans yeah no i remember you know. Ra- uh, rahm emanuel uh I, I, when when it was what was it you know the city there? hall dump yeah the city hall dump man that guy was like well, I think it was Thanksgiving he goes oh you want all my emails I'll give you all my emails guy was such a jerk <laughs> and I'm cleaning up my language D doesn't like me to swear thank you uh, but there's a lot of other words that were he's like I'm because uh, your husband Mick Dumkey he was one of the reporters that had to go through all the emails yeah and it was like you know. He did that on purpose. You know, I'm so passive aggressive. He just, I'll see you all. You want my emails? All but right. I don't think it's just him. I think uh, all these city officials or public officials do that. They're like, you want everything? We'll give you. So it's like a, we always expect that before the holidays. Yeah. If there was some big news story that happened within the year. Like, uh, by the way, I, gotta give it, I, I said it yesterday. I'm going to give it again. Uh, a shout out to Mark Brown. His column yesterday about the Blago Circus. He went. He went. Oh, what did he say? I have well, to read was, it. Yeah, I mean, the, I know uh, what he probably said. He said, he, loud, he's like, great, you got out, but leave us alone. No, or did he, he said that. that? It was his original <laughs> column. Okay, yeah. orig- his original column was your classic uh, Chicago journalist column, which were all, I was talking about where we're all supposed to be absolutely against corruption all right we're all against corruption yeah. right and so it's like so the official attitude is that Bogoyevich is corrupt we don't even want to hear from him. uh but then the reality is it's the biggest news event of all time of course it's uh all they got helicopters over his house mm-hmm. everybody's rushing to there and he made the uh, the point it was a very good point that for all our talking about how we're sick and tired of Bogoyevich and we can't condone what he did and we're disgusted by him here we are flocking to the Bogoyevich show and he ended up as calm by apologizing on behalf of the <laughs> news media because we're such hypocrites and I just thought man this is a great column and Mark Brown is a great writer really good job Mark Brown give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash all right uh the other big event that happened this week was the Democratic debate and um it's, I thought you were going to say Casey Erlocker, but we'll, we'll get to Casey no, Erlocker. You can explain Casey Erlocker yeah. to me, but I just got to get your thoughts on oh, Mike. Bloomberg. Yes, Bloomberg, so uh, just took a punch from Elizabeth Warren. Did a terrible job. We're going to be talking about Candace Castillo and uh, the Heartland Mamas are coming in, but uh, I've never seen such a bad performance. But this was his first debate for this round, correct? That is correct. So he wasn't prepared. 
Are I you mean, I'm assuming. Excuse? No, no, no. I'm just saying he wasn't prepared he had three at all. Months to prepare. No, but I, that's what I'm saying. Like he, I guess he thinks like I don't know. This is the psychology. I'm thinking like the money is gonna take care of everything, and he really doesn't have to prepare. That's what the psychology I'm thinking because. I told you I was out that day, so I wasn't like I was getting texts and people are like, oh, wow, Elizabeth Warren's really knocking him out and going after Bloomberg. And I've seen um, memes of like Godzilla. <laughs> she was like Godzilla and everybody else is like on fire, you know. So so I heard she did a really good job. Like she was the winner of the debates and that Bloomberg was just terrible. Bloomberg was and so terrible. That to me. How would you describe him? Uh, pathetic. Yeah. Mike Bloomberg stood there on the stage. And okay, so the joke is that Donald Trump has been going mini Mike, mini Mike all yeah. the time. And so like he's, you know, uh, diminutive. diminutive. Mm -hmm. And so here's Mike Bloomberg standing on the stage. They're pounding him. Uh -huh. And he's just standing there without... He's not defending himself. Mm -hmm. He's not explaining himself. He's not. I mean, you can't really you cannot defend the, the comments that have been attributed to him. So he should be prepared to deal with it some way. <coughs> Make a real legitimate apology. Talk about where he was in the context of his life. I don't know. I mean, These are the sexual harassment claims or was it? It was the comments. The, See, the wit and wisdom. I urge everybody, if you want to take the deep dive, uh, we, we did a whole Dennis and I did a whole bit on this. The wit and wisdom of Michael Bloomberg. I wrote a column oh. about it. The, in other words, there was. A, um, in 1990. I think I read your column, by the way. So I do you. read your, I re you. do your material. Uh, but I just for folks who may have missed it, <laughs> in 1990, uh, there was a gag gift given to Michael Bloomberg on the occasion of his 48th birthday by an employee of Bloomberg Company. And it what it did was put all his wit and wisdom, and these are quotes that he would freely talk about. And yep. they were, I mean, there's a pretty bad range of these quotes uh, that just are all nasty about women. Yeah. And uh, they were all laughing about, oh, this is funny. That's our guy. That's our leader. Were of women there? That's my question. The, the person who com put, compiled it is a woman. The, the person at Bloomberg, uh and it's sort of like the worldview of the Bloomberg Corporation. They all buy into it. He's rich. He, so he must be Or they be think they, can, they have to all laugh at it? I just... I don't know. I just feel like in this day and age, that would, I, I, you know, and it wasn't that long ago. He's like in his 60s, maybe. He's in his 70s. 70s? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. he's 78. He oh, really? the, he, so 48 isn't that long ago. In 1990. And yeah, that's, I mean, things like this. I mean, obviously a lot of people have not learned and these kind of comments get thrown around yeah. still to this day, but it's, how could you be a woman and pass it on and think it's all funny? You know, I guess when it's your boss, you have to like giggle and laugh and. Well, this is one step beyond giggling and laughing. I know. She put they, it in a booklet and gave it to him as, and then talked about how much she loved He wasn't him. like 25 or anything. He was like a 48-year-old man. Yeah. It's so anyway, so he just, he just looked, <clears throat> he was totally clueless. He took the pounding. I'm really curious. Tuesday's the next debate. What was he saying? Like, what was his response? Well, he didn't really have a response. The way that it's interesting you say that because the, the opening, when she pulverizes him with this opening round, uh, instead of immediately going to Bloomberg, the debate people went to other people in the state. I'm like, I, but when they eventually- You should a, have been I, moderating the debate. Mike, what are you gonna, all right. Because uh, <laughs> she went on, she, she went on a riff. She didn't just rip him. She ripped uh, Buttigieg. At, what it, she said that Buttigieg is, um, Healthcare plan is not a real plan; it's a talking point. Mm -hmm. And then she ripped Klobuchar. She said her healthcare plan is like a what does she call it? A, a post-it? What's that little <laughs> thing called? You know. And so then they were, and then me. And see, here's the other thing: 
you just said Bloomberg wasn't ready for the debate. He's a rookie. He, had, he sat it out. He thinks he's going to buy the election, buy the party, so he doesn't go to debates. The others have been, Klobuchar and Buttigieg have been on that stage every single debate going back to the summer. So they know you got to get your message. Yeah. They got their hands in there waving. So that's what I, I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking his strategy is, like just money, throw money at it. Yeah. Because that is a solution for a lot of people. Well, that was and, my whole thing. Like we've just played that Donald Trump clip, you know what I mean? Like there's no such thing as bad publicity. Just yes. Well, we said the Donald Trump clip, uh, you mean the Rosie O'Donnell one? The Rosie O'Donnell one, yeah. Yeah, well, that was the one. that. See, that's the contrast. When Donald Trump was hit with a similar question by Megyn Kelly at a, at a debate, he made a joke about at Rosie O'Donnell's expense. She said, you said, you know, Megyn Kelly went down the list of all the awful things he said about women. He goes, just Rosie O'Donnell. And the crowd is roaring and cheering. And uh, they That's like a- Bloomberg's 48th birthday party. That is exactly, exactly. But what that is acceptable behavior in a Republican primary, it's an unacceptable <laughs> behavior. So it's like Mike Bloomberg is trying to get Ramon Hussein's vote. Okay. So if, if Mike Bloomberg had responded to the question by saying, Come on, it's just a joke. Would you have ever voted for him in a million years? I, I can't comment on that as a reporter. Oh, okay. But I'm sure he can. <laughs> and I, and I got to say, one of the best things about Bloomberg in the debate is just the look on his face when they're ripping into him. Just, oh. Well, I've never. That's <laughs> really good. I guess, you know, when you smell something funny, like yeah, that's just the look he has on his face. Like the smell in the sun. Oh, okay, don't bring so. that up. Uh, anyway, um, it, did, were you here for that? Was it burnt popcorn? I don't know what it was. Anyway, more than burnt popcorn. Oh, oh, I think I heard people talking about it yesterday. Like I got out of the bathroom and then I was people are like, ah, they're like complaining about some smell. Sometimes and I was humor. Like, anyway, so. I'm really looking forward to that. I got probably a dead body. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, I'm gonna give you some advice. Prepare for the next debate. The next debate is huge. I think it's Tuesday. Uh, it's um, uh, it's it's your opportunity to show the world. Hey, you know, it was a rough start. And okay. you saw Bernie and Bloomberg are leading the polls. Let's talk about God. I saw that. And I <laughs> so just, it really him that didn't hurt him too much. Well, first well, of all, the, poll, it, was no, the poll was before that. Okay, but it, again, it gets to your larger point that you're making. It's all about money 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 and yeah. so many centrist democrats have told me they're going with bloomberg because he's got the money 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 i've heard that too yeah so it doesn't matter if he just looks at the camera and goes blah, 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 blah. i mean he does he can do whatever he wants <laughs> you know it doesn't matter he's got the money ben you gotta go with the guy with the money so that's centrist anyway i explained casey Erlock. I, I found this a very confusing story it, it probably is because you know we got the indictment yesterday but this is like a nine person illegal million dollar gambling ring and casey Erlocker was part of this for those of you who don't follow football casey Erlocker is former bear star brian Erlocker's brother he also played football too I believe, mm, like in like the AAA version of football. Uh, yeah, doing really well. <laughs> no, no. By the way, Ramon Hussein will be covering the Bears next year. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Her knowledge of football is really impressive. Um, anyway, I told you, I only know Brian. By the Lecker. way, I believe his correct pronunciation is Lecker. Is it? Urlacher? Yes. Like, uh, like a middle line backer. Urlacher? Yeah, I've been corrected on it a bit. It's okay. not Urlacher. Really? Because all the, all the guys in the newsroom who love the Bears call him Urlacher. Uh, isn't it, what's middle middle I, say, I say Urlacher. I, I say Ur-Liker? it too, but I've been correct. There you go. It's little, uh, middle line backer. So how does, would you say it rhymes with backer? So lacquer. Uh, anyway. <laughs> 
whatever. Casey Erlecker. But you can Lecker. call him Erlecker. Lacker. Okay. Yeah. I covered his uh, custody hearing case. In Brian's, Brian's custody. Custody. Yeah, sorry. Brian's custody hearing case in 2006 and 2007. So it was a while ago. I was just reading. I was. I printed out. Uh, he was a linebacker. So I, I probably Google. I, mean, I don't know. If Your knowledge Google of football that. is astounding. <laughs> so I just. Re- so I remember like bits and pieces about. Brian Erlaker. Erlaker. <laughs> now you got a metal block. Now we're at Laker. <laughs> so anyway, Casey Erlaker. I'm going to call him Erlaker. Call him whatever anyway, you want to call him. It's obviously, it's a story because Casey Erlaker is affiliated with Brian Erlaker. So he's part of this um, nine-person illegal gambling ring. We did reach out to him yesterday in our story. Um, he's not the ringleader. There was a ringleader. And we listed all the different things that the ringleader was charged with. I'm assuming that we didn't have, you know, like just the story was so long. Mm-hmm. It didn't go into specifics. But he was just part of this illegal, allegedly part of this illegal gam- gambling ring. He said that Casey Erlocker said that he did not know anything about it. According it was to hilarious when quote. our reporters contacted him. So uh, let's get that quote. I just got to get to that quote, uh, Romana. You've heard you cover criminal justice building. Of the yeah, courthouse. this was a federal courthouse, uh, but. federal courthouse. But you've you've had to go before defendants. People have been accused of things. Uh, Erlocker, this is what he said. I don't know nothing about it. I don't know who who you're talking about. I mean, it's I a, love don't it. know nothing about it. It's kind of very Chicago. It, Although they're not, I was asking the boys yesterday, the guys in the newsroom. I'm like, are they from Chicago? Did and, they know where they were, it was from? Yeah, they did. Um, I oh, not I don't want to say Oklahoma, but no, like, no, some other on. state. I, I'm going to say to sometimes your uh, guys on the desk, you're letting Ramona down. They did tell me. They did say where he he's was from. from New Mexico. Yeah. They did say that. I think they told you Oklahoma. No, no, no. I'm just saying Oklahoma. <laughs> you know why? Because Mick's reading a book up about Oklahoma right now. This oh, okay. raid of uh, Native Americans, like, you know, some huge raid that happened in Oklahoma. So maybe that's why I'm saying You're Oklahoma. getting your, uh, your, your states west of Illinois mixed up. Yeah. All I right. always do that. I'm very, I'm very in the bubble. Who, I, who's the sometimes editor that loves the Bears? I'm, Dave Newbar. Oh, He's God. a season ticket holder. He loves the bears yeah Ramana. he went on a bears cruise i think i believe he did you're kidding me no no what what's a bears cruise i guess you know it's like cruises that you go on and there's like people you know who used to play for the bears or like currently play for the bears and you just hang out with them it's like they have a cubs cruise too that's I and they, they do that with a lot of 80 80s music bands too like they have a cruise of like 80 <laughs> yeah me. no no they have these cruises where you can hang out <laughs> with people from like all these like one journey. hit wonders yeah. i don't know if journey has ever been on them but i there is like i have xm radio and i have the 80s channel and once in a while they'll talk about their cruises and they'll talk about these random bands and they're usually not like Duran, it's not like Duran Duran, but it's usually like someone like Katrina and the Waves or something. Uh, so um, they have, I think they, I'll, I'll double check with them. Dave's out of town right now. But when Dave. he comes back, I'll, oh, I'll so ask him. He was him. not one of the guys who told you. Uh, oh, are we talking about music post 1979? Ben's clueless. He knows nothing. Uh, Candace Castillo has entered the studio. Candace Castillo has entered the studio. We're going to bring her on really soon. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, I, now here's my question to you. And I'll just ask you this question. Sure. So. This is not to me the most important story in the world. It's all it's on the front page of both newspapers. Huge headline on the my beloved bright one, which one more time, gotta give the Sun Times headline writer credit. Casey at the bet. Get it? Casey at the bet. We were talking about that yesterday and um someone's like, Will our readers even know what that means? 
And I said, Probably I not. I said, I know what it means. And I said, our newspaper readers will know what it means. I don't know. But whatever. It doesn't matter. I thought it was pretty clever. But my point is, is like, what does that mean? Casey at the bat. There's a poem. Casey yeah. at the bat. Uh, I, I was going to recite the poem, but I just blanked on it. So I can't recite the poem. But I was anyway. going to say, is that the who's on first thing? But no, no. that's totally different. But oh I know God, I've heard no. of it. Who's on first is a, this is like baby boomer stuff. You guys are going, wow, I'm suddenly knowledgeable. Okay. You threw in Katrina in the waves. I'm like, who are they? But I could tell you. <laughs> they were uh, like Abbott one hit Costello. wonder. Uh, you guys, either one of you yeah, ever yeah, heard yeah. of Abbott I know, Costello? No, I know. I know. I know who Abbott One of the great uh, Abbott and Costello. No, I know. I know that the was Black there. Lagoon, one of the greatest movies ever made. <clears throat> Candace Castillo knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, man, I never saw that movie. Um, I, I was just saying, I thought it was, not that I, I'm feeling really weeping over Casey, but I mean, the guy, it's like, the only reason he's on the front page of it's the Sun-Times. because he's the brother yeah. of Brian Urlacher. And by the way, Brian Urlacher didn't do anything. <laughs> it's we know Brian Urlacher's brother. Oh, that's why the story matters. You know, I don't know. Could you imagine me in a... Wait, but a, you're right. Remember that gymnast, uh, um... God, she played on the, she was a gymnast on the last Olympics, Summer Olympics, when her brother was accused uh, of murder recently. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a sister of, you know, and people were brother calling, of, yeah. people were calling a lot of headline writers out for Simone that. Biles? Or like, yeah, Simone Biles, yeah. So I know that. I people were talking story. about, and, or, they, and then they, ha or they had pictures of Simone Biles, like in these tweets, and they're like, she didn't, she, she didn't, didn't do, do anything. anything. Brian Urlacher didn't we don't do know, And right now at this point, you know, he's, uh, their allegations. Yeah, and by the way, we don't, you know, Kate, literally, Kate, we don't know if Casey did or what he did, but Brian Urlacher was guilty of absolutely nothing other than being the brother of a guy who may or may not have done something wrong. Why? And then he looks like him, too. Oh, it's a good, good thing you yeah, got that he, new hairdo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Brian has hair plugs. Yeah, I was going to yes, say, I'm a good thing. Cause, you know, because yeah, there's billboards all over the place. I've it's seen called them. Hair Locker. I've seen one that says Hair Locker. All right, bef uh, before we let you go, recommendations. Uh, back to your busy day and bring uh, Candace on, uh, your recommendation for the weekend. Um, So I started watching um, the Malcolm X Netflix mm -hmm. documentary series. Um, It's great. It's great. Um, I obviously, I read Malcolm X when I was 17 years old. and The autobiography. Yeah, of the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. um, I, I grew up in a Muslim family and a friend of mine's like, oh, you got to read this. And I never heard of Malcolm X in my life because I feel like he was never really talked about in history classes. Although one of my teachers, the reason I found out about this, this guy was a little older than me. He went to my high school and he told me that I'd really like this book. And he's like, you got to take this class because this guy talks about all this stuff that we don't talk about in other classes. So I just, I thought Malcolm X was amazing. I remember then I read the book like two or three times. And I remember taking it to India with me one time and I was reading it and my cousins are like, what's this? And it was a, when Spike Lee came out with the movie, they're like, mm. who's Spike Lee? You know, like they were reading the like, cause it was after the movie was made and like the book came out again, it was a reprint. But anyway, the- book the, has never been out of print. <clears throat> I guess it was just like a recent cover, and so yeah. it's now made into a movie by exactly. Spike Lee. They put the, the, That's the, what I meant. They put so. Denzel on the cover. Yeah, mm -hmm. it wasn't Denzel, but anyway, it was. I mean, he he wasn't on the cover of no. the book. He was. It was Malcolm X. But anyway, the movie is fascinating. It's and I don't know if you heard, but they're thinking about where they have reopened the case because there is this man who's kind of dedicated his life into finding out who exactly killed Malcolm X. And there were three men who were charged, but the question is there could have been more people involved and whether two of these guys actually pulled the trigger. One guy said he did, but there's two people who he said that they were innocent and nobody really listened to him. And so I'm only on part two, but it's just really fascinating. I think you'd like it. We'll have to have a whole show on this. This is one of my obsessions. I'm going to 
uh, withstand the temptation to launch into my whole thing on the Malcolm X. I've spent hours. It's funny, you know. I always complain. I'm surprised you haven't heard about this. Uh, well, the, the documentary. I have to keep you hip. Yeah, you got no. You have to keep me hip to Netflix documentaries. But I've spent hours reading about the Malcolm X assassination, and it's sort of like my obsession with Jimmy Hoffa. It's I don't have really anybody to talk about it with, so I kind of. You like, can talk to me about Malcolm I can X. Talk to you about, I'll talk to you about, about Malcolm X. Usually, I just talk to my wife, and I just say, "You don't have to respond. You don't even really listen. Just every now and then, nod your head." Oh, I should tell it to my husband. Oh uh, yeah, because I'm. <laughs> Well, speaking not in her head, she's our next guest has been doing it the entire time. I'm going to ask uh, Candace what she Tell thinks it. about uh, Malcolm X, but I I can go on and on, and I will withhold. Uh, I'm just going to say uh, yeah, but I, I I recommend it to you too as I'm well start as watching the that. listeners. The documentary, yes. yes. All right, uh, Ramana saying every Friday on this show it's a Ramana rundown, and I appreciate her stepping in today because they're really she's really busy. Uh, we're going to take a break and bring on Candace Castillo talk. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bloomberg, Malcolm X, whatever else comes up. We'll be right back. He sees wrong and he tries to write it just like he did in the case of Alice Marie Johnson. You know who she is, the grandmother from Alabama who served 21 years in prison on a life sentence as a first time nonviolent drug offender. A life sentence as a first time nonviolent drug offender. The first step, let alone Alice Marie Johnson's case is probably one of the better illustrations that shows how the federal criminal justice system disproportionately discriminates against African-Americans and people of color, and how the 1994 crime bill has led to the over-sentencing and to the creation of what the author Michelle Alexander has called the new Jim Crow in America. That's right. You know what I'm talking about. That's right. Dump the Clintons. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm gonna spell it out for you people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Mm-hmm. 